to speak, I didn't want to speak, nor because I was regaled with the scaly tips of the drumsticks of the fowls and with those obscure corners of pork of which the pig, when living, had had the least reason to be vain. No, I should not have minded that if they would have only left me alone. But they wouldn't leave me alone. They seemed to think the opportunity lost if they failed to point the conversation at me every now and then and stick the point into me. I might have been an unfortunate little bull in a Spanish arena. I got so smartingly touched up by these moral goads. It began the moment we sat down to dinner. Mr. Wopsle said grace with theatrical declamation, as it now appears to me something like a religious cross of the ghost in Hamlet with Richard III, and ended with a very proper aspiration that we might be truly grateful. Upon which my sister fixed me with her eye and said in a low, reproachful voice, Do you hear that? Be grateful. "'Especially,' said Mr. Pumblechook, "'be grateful, boy, to them which brought you up by hand.' Mrs. Hubble shook her head, and, contemplating me with a mournful presentiment that I should come to no good, asked, "'Why is it that the young are never grateful?' This moral mystery seemed too much for the company, until Mr. Hubble tersely solved it by saying, "'Naturally wishes.' Everybody then murmured, "'True.' and looked at me in a particularly unpleasant and personal manner. Joe's station and influence were something feebler, if possible, when there was company than when there was none. But he always aided and comforted me when he could in some way of his own, and he always did so at dinner-time by giving me gravy, if there were any. There being plenty of gravy today, Joe spooned into my plate at this point about half a pint. A little later on in the dinner, Mr. Wopsle reviewed the sermon with some severity, and intimated in the usual hypothetical case of the church being thrown open what kind of sermon he would have given them. After favoring them with some heads of that discourse, he remarked that he considered the subject of the day's homily ill-chosen, which was the less excusable, he added, when there were so many subjects going about. "'True again,' said Uncle Pumblechook. "'You've hit it, sir. Plenty of subjects going about for them that know how to put salt upon their tails. That's what's wanted. A man needn't go far to find a subject if he's ready with his salt-box.' Mr. Pumblechook added, after a short interval of reflection, "'Look at pork alone. There's a subject. You want a subject? Look at pork.' "'True, sir, many a moral for the young,' returned Mr. Wopsle, and I knew he was going to lug me in before he said it, "'might be deduced from the text.' "'You listen to this,' said my sister to me in a severe parenthesis. Joe gave me some more gravy. "'Swine,' pursued Mr. Wopsle in his deepest voice, and pointing his fork at my blushes, as if he were mentioning my Christian name, "'swine were the companions of the prodigal.' The gluttony of swine is put before us as an example to the young. I thought this pretty well in him who had been praising up the pork for being so plump and juicy. What is detestable in a pig is more detestable in a boy. Or girl, suggested Mr. Hubble. Of course, or girl, Mr. Hubble, assented Mr. Wopsle rather irritably, but there is no girl present. "'Besides,' said Mr. Pumblechook, turning sharp on me, "'think what you've got to be grateful for. "'If you'd been born a squeaker—' "'He was, if ever a child was,' said my sister most emphatically. "'Joe gave me some more gravy. "'Well, but I mean a four-footed squeaker,' said Mr. Pumblechook. "'If you had been born such, would you have been here now? "'Not you.' 
unless in that form, said Mr. Wopsle, nodding towards the dish. But I don't mean in that form, sir, returned Mr. Pumblechook, who had an objection to being interrupted. I mean enjoying himself with his elders and betters, and improving himself with their conversation, and rolling in the lap of luxury. Would he have been doing that? No, he wouldn't. And what would have been your destination, turning on me again? You would have been disposed of for so many shillings according to the market price of the article, and Dunstable the butcher would have come up to you as you lay in your straw, and he would have whipped you under his left arm, and with his right he would have tucked up his frock to get a penknife from out of his waistcoat pocket, and he would have shed your blood and had your life. No bringing up my hand then, not a bit of it. Joe offered me more gravy, which I was afraid to take.